Good afternoon. This is Peaks Podcast. Welcome to Season 4, Everest, Episode 60, our last episode for the Everest season of 2021. So, folks, let's catch up on what's going on. It's been almost 80 days since I've been back from Everest. In those 80 days, a whole bunch has gone on. Well, let's start with a little facts and figures on Everest 21 season. It's being described as one of the most difficult, challenging seasons in the history of Everest. As you might recall, there were about 408-ish foreigner permits. That doesn't include another 400 Sherpa permits to climb Everest. The virus pandemic, COVID, moved in and greatly impacted the results of Everest this season. At best, there were around 534 summits total, foreigner and Sherpa. That's a long way away from the spread of uh, 2019's historic 660. So, what happened? Well, after I left, during the first rotation, groups struggled with a number of challenges. Let's take them one by one. The icefall was much longer than usual. They used much fewer ladders to cross crevasses and challenged climbers with more distance, weaving the way around, up and down. One fellow had the vertical elevation at around 6,000 vertical feet in the ice falls. This is vastly different from what I've heard the ice falls look like in the past. Number two, COVID. It was our understanding that uh, a lot of the uh, local population would have been vaccinated. Uh, We came to find out that this was not the case. And COVID definitely spread amongst the local population, especially with the deviant uh, from India, the much more super, the super spreader strain that moved in because India and the Nepali border were not closed during the initial month of Everest climbing. This added up to a uh, kind of a hidden pandemic that nobody really wanted to talk about. I actually thought it was fake news at one point, but uh, it turned out to be real. In our expedition alone, 
as many as six Sherpas and one member conducted COVID during the expedition. Our expedition, along with several others, pulled the plug before even attempting the summit and never went above Camp 2 at 23-some thousand feet, the same camp I left. So a real heartbreaking experience for my expedition, my team. I feel for them, each and every one. Um, But on the other hand, everybody made it home safely, and uh, that's really the goal. The third factor that uh, impacted the results or lack of results of summiting were two cyclones that uh, came in in the month of uh, May, which caused severe winds, accumulation of snow, and made it extremely difficult summiting and dangerous. So all these factors, along with the monster 29,000 plus feet summit of Everest, made this season grueling. Um, So let me do a little personal reflection. When I, since I've been back, I've been asked hundreds of times if I will return. This is not answered yet. I don't think I would ever return without going north on the Tibetan side, nor without a private group. Uh, I think that these two safety measures would be uh, beneficial, but uh, I have not made a decision. You know, maybe I'll only get six and a half of the uh, seven summits, but I'm going to live to enjoy a lot more. I'm not saying yes, not saying no. The second question that comes up with every person I discuss uh, Everest with is, you know, are you, you you regretful? And I want to make it very clear in this Peaks podcast that I have absolutely no regrets. Training, I was trained up at least 130% better than I've ever trained for a big mountain. Health was great. Uh, And I got to attack a lifetime goal. I can't uh, explain how magical it was going through the Kumba Ice Falls solo with almost a full moon up and down through the ice in a perfect flow with nature. I'm sure it took a lot out of me physically, but everything that's difficult I've found is usually super beneficial. And I will never forget those hours through the ice falls. Nor will I forget my punja. Nor will I forget all the different hikes we took in preparation. The whole experience of Big Mountain Expeditions isn't 
for me, the summit, I mean, that's the icing on the cake, but it's, it's the day-to-day, it's the preparation, it's hopefully the camaraderie with your team. So for this, I'm very grateful, and I would never uh, want it any other way, except for maybe a summit on top of this stuff. That'll happen another day. So, anyhow, those are some of my reflections on Everest. I, once again, feel bad for my teammates that had to uh, spend an extra month of toil and torment and have to uh, evacuate. Very uh, difficult, I'm guessing. I'm sure it haunts them like the uh, mountain haunts me. But... uh, They're all safe, and for that, I'm very glad. Remember, I really appreciate you listening to Peaks Podcast. We have our website, www.peakspodcast.rocks. I've already posted expedition shots up on there. Um, I have Karsten's coming up, and uh, I don't know when in the world Papua New Guinea will, will... open with all the uh, world turmoil, the pandemic hype. We'll just have to wait and see on that. But I will not go up that mountain until we're sure it's clear. Um, I do not want to uh, endure some of the experiences we saw on uh, Everest if it's not necessary. For the second part of this podcast, I'm going to talk a little bit about a post-climb trip I did with my Colorado group. It should be super fun. Remember, I like to do these podcasts to encourage everybody to get out and hike, climb, do anything outdoors. Pick some objectives, start small, go big. When I was in Boy Scouts at 14 years old, climbing The highest mountain in upstate New York, Mount Marcy, seemed like an insurmountable goal. But I'm sure it was that scouting experience that led me to uh, attack Everest, a seemingly impossible objective. I really appreciate everybody's support since I've been home. Uh, It's amazing how understanding, and uh, I didn't really realize how concerned people were To me, it was just uh, another expedition, but uh, uh, I love y'all for your your concerns, and uh, thanks for listening to Peak's podcast. I will do the second segment immediately following. Thank you. As promised, this is the second segment for Season 4, Episode 60. We thought we'd have a little fun. As part of my return from Everest, about two weeks ago, my climbing group from Colorado suggested, hey, let's go hike the big island of Kona in Hawaii. Of course, you know, half of my gear had not returned from Everest. So I kind of reluctantly said, yeah, let's do it. I had to buy new boots, a jacket, some gloves I borrowed, geared up, 
And of course, because Hawaii is an island, those guys still had a quarantine in place. So once again, I had to get a COVID test negative within 72 hours of flight departure. And we're leaving on the 4th of July, so it was very difficult to get this. Once again, I felt like I did when I was leaving Kathmandu, just buried in bureaucratic baloney. But I got the test, and when we landed at 1 in the morning in Hawaii, there's a girl on a runway that actually meets us and checks my credentials. Couldn't believe it. Well, I wanted to do this little episode because, you know, these big mountain expeditions are, are very serious, and climbing with my Colorado group is serious as well. They, they're driven, and they've taught me a lot over the years. Upon arriving, most of them went to the hot tub for a beverage. I just went right to bed because I knew we were going to be hiking uh, the Mauna Loa volcano the next morning. So we flew in that morning, slept a couple hours, and got up. So we're at sea level. You drive up to about 9,000 feet where the trailhead begins. Mauna Lana uh, Volcano is the second highest there, and it's quite unique. There's just a gradual grade up sharp lava, black lava, and if you ever were to fall, oh, you'd be cut horrifically. Now, the hike is only supposed to be 6.2 miles. So I put on my Garmin and we hike and hike and hike and we're tired and you go, you know, you're at the volcano's over 13,000 feet so you are getting a lot of vertical you know, almost 4,000-ish vertical feet on this black hot lava with no fresh water anywhere in the area. We do have good weather but I'll tell you, with no sleep, it did seem like quite a task. But it was one of the more beautiful hikes I've taken on a volcano because all the different lava crystals glimmered in the light. So it shimmered greens, oranges, reds. I've never really seen anything like it, so it was quite spectacular. But for being only, you know, a cup, not a large, large hike. I was really tired by the time I got back down to the bottom. Granted, I had new boots on, and so that was kind of a, a challenge. I got a my first blister in got to be 20 years. But our whole group made it, and uh, I think we were tired and happy to get back to the hot tub. So the next volcano, this was kind of interesting. The Mauna Kai, we climbed, and this is the large, or the highest volcano. It's a high point of Hawaii, and what we did was, you know, there's a road up to the top, but that we hiked it from the visitor center to the top, and it's over 13,000 feet again, nice trail, and uh, what was funny about this 
is the visitor center. I call it Einstein's visitor center because we pull in to the visitor center. This is next day. And the, the guard there says, we have to wait at 9,000 feet for 30 minutes to acclimatize. Now I'm thinking, what is 30 minutes going to do at 9,000 feet? He goes, even if you want to drive up, you have to acclimatize here for 30 minutes. I, I was in stitches. You know, after getting back from Everest just a month ago at 23,000 feet, and this fellow wants us to acclimatize for 30 minutes, we all bit our tongues and uh, just were patient with him and waited the 30 minutes and then proceeded up. Beautiful hike uh, on a trail. The last part is a little bit of road, which wasn't so nice, but uh, one of our fellow hikers did find a scurry uh, cinder trail around the side, so he didn't even have to hit the road. The last of the bigger hikes that we did was very interesting. It's called the YPO Valley. Now, YPO Valley starts in this Valley of the Gods. It's Black Beach. So we arrive at the trailhead at the crack of dawn because it's a 20-mile there and back hike. And I think this is in one of the top 10 favorite hikes I've done. 20 miles, it seemed, it seemed like more. I think I logged 58,000 steps that day. And the climb, you have to ford at least 20 streams, you know, 10 on the way out, 10 on the way back. One of them, you know, you, you take your boots off for, the first one and the last one. So that's always exciting. Slippery rocks at dawn, at dusk when you're getting out. But I'll have to say the 1,800 vertical feet you do right when you step on the trailhead is a killer. You just climb straight up and boy, it was difficult. And then you traverse through these magical forests, big virgin timber, unbelievable. Pine forests, cypress, all kinds of different uh, trees, flowers, one of the best hikes ever. And uh, but something very curious happened at about mile marker nine. So you, you go across, so you go up, 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 and then you go across all these valleys. And then right at the end, you go down, down, down to the, the ocean. Well, right when we were going down, 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 uh, our group kind of got tethered out, spread out a little bit. Three in the front, three in the back. And the three in the front, we stopped on the way down to wait for the others. And it was an unusually long wait. So two of, uh, I waited at the point and the two of the other teammates went, walked back. And then we all converged 
and one of our guys had been attacked by a swarm of yellow jackets. Now, I've never heard of this. You know, we all, well, five of us, four of us walked by this swarm, not suffering a bite. One teammate got one bite, and then the other one got 30-plus bites. And these yellow jackets were mean. And I'm telling you, so we're at the furthest point away from civilization. And we're thinking, you know, thank goodness this guy is not allergic to bees. Because just on a simple Hawaiian hike, you know, you could face death if he had been allergic to bees. Well, thank goodness we've all been hiking with each other. Some of us for 30 years, others for 20. And uh, one of our hikers had some anti-sting uh, ointment. So we quickly uh, applied the bee ointment and uh, Greg, our uh, fellow hiker, took it like a man and hiked it down to the beach, which he would have to hike back out. Well, the funny part about this story is, you know, everybody's okay. We get back to the car. It's, du it's dusk. We're exhausted. I don't know what it was. Nine-hour day. Long day. And uh, Greg, my Colorado hiking buddy, starts saying, well, you know, I've had a problem with yellow jackets uh, over the last 10 years. Apparently, at his home, he has a, had a war on the yellow jackets that had burrowed in ground and had hives around his house. So he devised these mechanisms to wipe out the population of yellow jackets around the house with some kind of a motor, turbine, fan, and killed thousands and thousands of yellow jackets. So this naturally, in my mind, was logical that uh, he had bad karma with the yellow jackets. Somehow the yellow jackets sent a chemical message from Colorado over to Kona and they attacked him. There is no other reason. And I really think that uh, you ought to think about this. These guys didn't bite anybody else. They attacked this one individual for what reason? I don't know. But I'm going to say there was some negative karma, and I think that that's hopefully corrected. And uh, let's be nice to all humans, animals, and life forms because you just never know when there's going to be revenge. Anyhow. I thought that was a good humorous story after the Everest uh, epic. This is Peaks Podcast, signing off for Season 4, Episode 60. Thank you for listening. Really appreciate uh, all your support. You can find us on all and any of the podcast platforms. Please give us uh, any constructive criticism. Pass it on to friends and family. We'd love to share it. Get out there and hike. And watch out for those yellow jackets. Take care.